The Women in Media podcast is proudly sponsored by Organic Traditions for spring 2024. Stay tuned for a special deal during this episode. The best piece of advice that I was ever given was actually something that someone told me was a negative about myself that I had to learn was actually a positive about myself. I was once told that I was too open, too honest, and a little bit too familiar in meetings, which set me back for a bit. Hearing that makes you become more reserved. And what I've learned throughout my career was actually those are assets that I have used to build my career. Um, So really that advice actually propelled me in a completely different way. Tracy Martin is president of the CCMA or the Canadian Country Music Association. She's a media executive with almost 20 years of experience in marketing, production, and TV. And if I had to summarize it, she brings big brands to light. I'm actually a little nervous about fitting her entire story into this podcast episode. So Tracy, while I know your name, I actually don't know you at all very well. And uh, it was only recently that I got a chance to sit around a table with you and uh, work on a, a project. We have a big partnership between SiriusXM and the Canadian Country Music Association in our uh, top of the country. Thank you for being a guest on this podcast and take me back to the beginning, your first step into the media world. My very, very first step was with actually country music television. Country music television used to be in Calgary. And I started with them um, as a promo coordinator and basically traveled across the country doing marketing at country music festivals for CMT. That was my first sort of toe dip into um, working for a media brand. And it just evolved from there. You know, we, uh, the the people that I met there and uh, in my, in my first, you know, summer with CMT really made me realize that this is a space that I wanted to be in. I've always been a huge country music fan. So it was a bit of a dream job. Um, It evolved from that into me moving into the marketing department at CMT. Um, CMT then moved to Toronto. They moved me to Toronto with them. And then the opportunities just started to come come together. You know, um, MTV was launching in Canada. I was with CMT for about five or six years. And MTV was coming into Canada and I had the opportunity to move over and become part of the startup team for um, launching MTV here in Canada. So that was a hard one for me because my heart really lied in country um, music. And so making the move from CMT over to MTV was a big jump for me. Um, You know, I I think the last project that I worked on on CMT was a big Shania Twain album launch. And my first project over at MTV was a Kanye West um, you know, opening of MTV in Canada. So very, very different. Um, uh, obviously, you have different genres and different personalities. I hear so much of myself and what you're saying, because I was like, almost like pigeonholed as a, a rock radio host for a while. And taking that step to Sirius XM was very much a new thing. Ask me how I felt when my boss on the first day said, can you do country music, you think? <laughs> I was like, um... <laughs> uh... Was there a specific person in media that you ever really looked up to when you were first starting out? Yeah, Suzanne Boyce. So I don't know if you're familiar with Suzanne, but she used to be the president of CTV. And she was really, really someone that I, you know, I was fortunate enough to meet her actually at a, at a music event. And her and I clicked right away. And she said to me after, you know, I, I was actually seated at our table. And after her and I spoke for uh, off and on throughout that two hour show, 
she said to me at the end of it, you're going to work for me one day. And literally six months later, I ended up getting the job at MTV. MTV was a CTV owned property. And, um, and I got to work for her and worked for her sporadically throughout my career. Um, and I loved her. I loved everything about her. I loved the way that she led. She was very much a woman in a man's world. You know, at that point, there was the most of the executive suite at CTV was male. And she, watching her navigate through that and, and seeing how she, uh, the, the levers that she pulled and didn't pull and having her sort of tuck a few key females underneath her wing and bring us along. Um, you know, we all have a bit of imposter syndrome. She's the one that taught me to just sort of like, you know, get rid of those whispers in your head. You can do anything. Um, and I know that these all sound very cliche, but it's, it's a, it's a very real thing. She really gave me confidence in a way that I didn't ever think I, I, I didn't think that I could have in the media space and really taught me that if you're not afraid, you're not dreaming big enough. Like if you don't have that feeling in your stomach, like, Ooh, I'm not sure I know what I'm doing here. Um, then the dream isn't big enough. She was just such an incredible, she, she pushed me in so many different areas in my career. I just love her and love her to this day. So I think you're touching on, um, what it takes to become empowered in your role in media. And I, I think there's definitely like a few key items on that list. What does that list look like for you? What do you need to feel empowered in your role? First of all, it starts within. So, you know, there, there's a few things that I've learned as I've gone through all of this. The first thing that I learned, and this is my personal life and also my professional life is I have learned over the years, first of all, to never settle. So as soon as, and, 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 you know, my resume shows that my personality is, has, has really leaned into that. I, when I feel complacent, I'm immediately anxious to get out. And when I start to have that feeling, I know that it's time and that I have to actually think about what's next for me. I haven't been able to sit comfortably in one role for a long period of time. My resume has me in different roles. Probably every two or three years, you'll see that I've moved into a different role, not necessarily a different company, but when the opportunity doesn't allow myself there, it is actually a different company. Um, I really need to feel like I'm learning and achieving. And to me, how I eventually, as I look back over the years of my career, the thing that I realize that I'm so, and the thing that I'm so grateful for, and I've really leaned into it a lot in the last, you know, five or six years is self-awareness and recognizing the things in yourself when you know that you need change to actually sit down with yourself and go, why and what is it and, and moving forward. Self-awareness is a huge gift. It's a gift in every aspect of your life. I have found for me in, I mean, everything from in the boardroom to, you know, again, into personal self-care and all of those things, being self-aware enough to understand that you need to take the next step and leaning into fear, which is a very scary thing to do, but actually leaning into it and, and, and pushing yourself into it has been, has been for me, the thing that has propelled me and to this day continues to do that. Um, it's not always easy. And of course there's, um, you know, there, there's mistakes that you make, but I've also found that those wounds and those mistakes that I've made, you become really wise because of them. If you allow yourself to do that, but you need self-awareness to recognize that, okay, this was a huge mess up and where is that going to take me next? And, and what have I learned from that? And how can I apply that as I go forward? 
again, Sarah, these are things that I think probably sound really cliche, but they're very, very real. Um, some of my biggest mistakes, you know, uh, have been some of my greatest learnings. And, you know, as they say, it's like learning what not to do is actually even more valuable than learning what to do. And I've really embraced that, that piece of it. Uh, self, self-awareness is a big one for me. Hmm. What's the scariest moment of your career so far? The scariest moment. Oh my gosh. I mean, do we, do we want to talk about this year? (laughs) 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 Um, Cause this would, this, this would definitely be up there. Uh, This year was a tough one, you know, um, leading an organization through a global pandemic, um, especially a not-for-profit organization uh, was very, very scary in so many facets of it. You know, there's obviously the, just the business side of it and how are we going to get through this and how are we going to make sure that we keep the lights on and not close the doors to leading a team through a very scary, um, a very scary, you know, 12 months. Um, you really have to lean in. This isn't just me. This is everyone that's running businesses right now and media and, you know, in the music business specifically being able to comfort your team and give your team, um, uh, keep, keep goals for your team. Uh, that's been really difficult because on the, on the third thing to all that is also what you're personally going through, what you're personally going through, not understanding what, what actually is going to happen and how we're going to get through this. And I struggled with that in the beginning of all of this. Um, uh, for the first time in my life, I experienced anxiety and, you know, had to really sit with myself and go, okay, what is, why do you have anxiety? Cause I've hadn't had that before in, in, in my life. And what I realized was what actually propels me forward is the goal and how we're going to get there. And then ticking that box and onto the next goal. Like those have always been the things that in my personal life and in my professional life, that is actually what feeds me. And with there being no goal, with us just having no idea in the early days of what we're doing, I struggled with that. I actually had to start putting like parameters in place. Like when I got up in the morning was like, okay, we're going to think in five hour increments here. Those are the goals. And what meetings do you have and what do we need to achieve in them? And then, okay, what's for dinner tonight? Like I really had to sort of um, give myself time blocks um, so that I could, uh, you know, cope essentially. That eventually started to stretch itself out. And as we sort of landed in the spot of what, what the plan was going forward, it got better. But you know, I think this year for me, what I've learned that about myself, it was something that I had to apply to my life in order for me to move forward. But also um, knowing that, you know, again, the the CCMAs, uh, you know, we are a not-for-profit organization that is built upon members who are really struggling. So the idea that, uh, you know, our mandate is to elevate the genre in the country. Um, and we don't have artists that are working. And also in order for us to, you know, survive as an organization financially, there need to be some really smart decisions made. So for me, this year was a big one. And, you know, the thing that I always fell back to, you know, everybody's path through all of this is very, very different business, personal, all of that, but ultimately the thread of what is going on is the same. So it, there is a lot of comfort in that we're all in this together. Um, but it, this was a tough year. This is a very, very difficult year. 
And I know that you have a lot of females in your office and they've become a family to you. And, you know, there's, there's a sisterhood there. So not only are you trying to keep your organization going, but you know, there's, there's a sense of like the, the people themselves you need to keep going. So when you're leading and you've been in leading roles for most of your career, how do you motivate the people around you? It, it became less about business and more about personal. So we started uh, immediately as soon as the, the pandemic hit, we started having uh, daily meetings. We actually started originally with two meetings a day. And for me, it was removing the business side of it and really just focusing on everyone's mental health. And everyone's situation was different, Sarah. You know, there's some people that are, you know, have, you know, two kids and a husband, everyone's working from home and their kids are at an age where they actually have to help them with school. So when we turned on our Zoom at 9.30 for a 9.30 meeting, they were already frazzled because they had already lived a morning of absolute chaos. And then others on my team live alone and they were struggling with the fact that they are living in a condo downtown and isolated, you know, they're completely isolated. And then there's those that are in a similar situation, but have a partner and, but there's now two people in a condo downtown and, you know, so every situation was really, really different. And I think for me, what I realized early on is that I need, listen, we had to get our work done. We, there's, you know, there was a huge job in front of us for us to navigate through and, and figure out how we were going to actually do this. But immediately um, I realized that compassion and empathy had to sort of take the lead. And so, you know, lots of one-on-one meetings, starting all of our meetings with how are you doing, what's going on. And, you know, I'm, I feel really fortunate because as you say, you know, our team is family. We really have been in the trenches together and we're a tiny, tiny team. We achieve a lot with just a, a you know, a handful of, of people. So we're close anyway. Um, but this year has definitely brought the team really a lot closer. I will say that there are, have been times that I'm not mentally um, in a good place to be able to, um, you know, sort of push the team forward those times I just didn't do the meeting. Um, I, I gave everyone a pause on the meeting because I did realize that, you know, I mean, it, the, the thing like the fears for everybody this year, it's like, will we be able to move forward? Will there be job loss? All of those things. Um, so I, I really made an effort to make sure that when I got on those calls that I was in a good spot to be able to help people move forward. I mean, listen, it wasn't always um, perfect or easy, but um, you know, again, back to sort of, you know, using our female superpowers, you know, a lot of people look at those, those things as us being soft or, um, you know, us being bossy or, and the truth is that, that, yeah, right. (laughs) And the truth is, is that I actually think that those are the things that have for me personally, and um, have helped me help me in my career, you know, having compassion again, and empathy, and the ability to really multitask and listen, um, which are, you know, really innate abilities for, for females. We're, we're in general really good at those things. If we sort of dig deep into them, those things have helped definitely, I would say, us get through what we're getting through and me leading this team. Yeah. And healthy boundaries by the sounds of it too. Um, I wanted to go back to what you were saying about the mistakes that you've learned from, because I think I'm just stepping into that space now where I'm very comfortable with reviewing my mistakes and reflecting and looking at how I can learn from them. But I wasn't always. And I, you know, I used to literally sit under like a black cloud of, oh my God, that went terrible. You know, um, yeah. tell me about one of those moments for you and how, how you learned a big lesson, whether it was at the Canadian Country Music Association or chorus or 
Yeah. So, I, I mean, I've had a few, um, I've had, I definitely have had a few bumps in the road. The, the, I think one of the biggest things that I went through at one point in my career, I was work, I was working for Suzanne Boyce. She had moved me into another role in, um, CTV, which was to launch, I had launched MTV with her. She had brought me back over to launch the e-network with her. And shortly after she moved me into this role, there was a merger so I've been involved with many merger, media mergers over my career, and some of them are amazing and some of them are not. They're always very, very difficult for the most part, whether they end up being great or, you know, they don't. It's, it, they're, they're, it's a very difficult process. And I'd moved into this role to launch the e-brand. And shortly after that, she was removed from her role at CTV. So she knew what path she had for me, but now someone else had come in to sort of oversee that role. And I stayed in that job, even though with the new management, I knew that things were not going well. It was uh, very tumultuous. It was a, um, you know, I think probably one of the biggest learnings in my career of, um, you know, p- uh, character of people went underneath um, pressure. Um, people that I knew and trusted and, and uh, really respected turned into completely different humans in this merger. I stayed there much longer than I should have. I think this was the biggest lesson for me. As I, you know, as I said earlier, this conversation about knowing when it's time to move and knowing and listening to your gut. Um, I stayed much longer than I should have, and it actually ended up damaging me uh, a little bit. I, I left that role um, and actually managed to you know, negotiate myself out with a package. And I thought, okay, well, I'll just bounce um, into the next job. It'll take me, you know, I'll, I'll find something quite quickly. After about a week of being off, I realized how emotionally exhausted I was from the last seven months that I had uh, been through. And you don't realize that stuff. And this is, this is the other thing about just getting a little bit older and going through your career, the self-care piece of it is actually, you know, and people say this all the time, but it is so extremely important. Um, I was not taking care of myself. I was very, very stressed and didn't realize it until I got out. And I'll, I'll never forget the moment where I was like, wait a minute, you know, um, my husband and I had decided that we weren't going to have kids. And I was all of a sudden was like, I have this runway in front of me uh, financially with a package and I'm going to be okay for, for quite a while. Um, instead of bouncing into another job, I'm going to use this as my mat leave. I'm never going to get a mat leave. So I'm going to actually use this as time to figure out what I'm going to do with, you know, like take some time off and figure out what I really want to do. I did not realize how exhausted I was until that moment happened. That, that six months that I took off, um, really, really transformed, um, me in what I will and will not do going forward. But to get out of that fog and actually sit with it uh, for a period of time to understand what exactly was going on, I listen. When I when I made my next step um, back into working after that sort of break off, and I did great things. I you know drove to California with a couple of girlfriends from Toronto, did some really really amazing things to sort of give myself a little bit of love. Um, when I decided to go back, I had worked with a a career coach accidentally worked with a career coach. <laughs> a girlfriend of mine had a friend that was, you know, needing to get her hours in and 
could I, would I be part of her, you know, practicum? And I was like, sure, this is not really my thing. Turns out it was my thing. Um, this woman got me to a place that, um, really helped me realize the things that were important to me in, in my job. And when it came time for me to work, I had two offers in front of me. I was very lucky. I had two offers in front of me, both of them very, very different. And the job that if you would have asked me which job I would have taken six months before that, it was not the job that I ended up taking because I actually set boundaries and rules for what I really wanted to do and what was important. I ended up taking a job that I never in a million years would have thought that I would have taken. I look back at that now and think that was a huge pivotal time for me. Uh, Something again, back to sort of this idea that your, your wounds make you wise if you let them. Um, that was one of those moments, like sitting down with all of the hurt and understanding what had just gone on in my career and then being able to take that and, you know, use it going forward, um, was huge for me. And that sort of was the biggest moment in my career that I, um, that I think back on that sort of shot me into the next level of my career and what I would, would do and would not do. I need to write this down. Cause that's the episode title right there. Your wounds make you wise. (laughs) I was just going to say, these things are always, you think that they're going to be such an easy conversation, but then when you realize the volume of what you've gone through and the things that you could bring to the table to actually help in a situation with these podcasts and people that are listening, it becomes a little bit overwhelming. Like when I just now, as I was going through that process and thinking back on that, and Sarah... It's Sarah Burke here, the host of the Women in Media podcast and the founder of the Women in Media Network. Yep, now there's an entire network. I've been working really hard to get things off the ground. And what would I do without coffee? I can barely function without it. But I feel much better about putting a coffee that's full of superfoods in my body. I've been loving the Focus Fuel Instant Mushroom Coffee from Organic Traditions. And of course, all the ingredients are organic. It's packed with lion's mane mushroom to support memory, focus, and cognitive function, adaptogens to nourish your brain, and MCT powder to boost your energy and improve mental clarity. And before you make that face, no, it doesn't taste like mushrooms. It tastes like coffee. Actually better than most. There are hints of cinnamon and vanilla, and it is absolutely delicious. Did I mention it also just won Best New Mushroom Enhanced Beverage in a 2024 Brand Spark survey? Want to try the Focus Fuel Mushroom Coffee yourself? Head to OrganicTraditions.com and use the promo code WOMENINMEDIA20 for 20% off at checkout. And by the way, that applies for the entire site, not just the coffee. You're welcome. Just add water and get at it. There was a time in my career, and I bet you like, you know, my followers on social media would know this. Like I used to be bright red when I was interviewing an artist or talking to someone important. Like I was just always anxious. You know, there's, again, lessons help you learn all sorts of things, but like facing them and reflecting on them is the only thing that has brought me to this confidence that I have right now. Is Yeah, no, it's so good. Good for you. That's actually, that's confidence is a, is a huge thing. And for women, I think it's even, even bigger. Um, because we, we've been taught that you can only get so far. Um, you know, and you know, you read all the stats and we can only get so far that in itself from a confidence perspective is so shattering. So you really do have to do the work on yourself. And I, I say this to, you know, my staff, and I also say this to um, women who reach out just to talk about career advice. You have to push yourself in your personal life out of your comfort zone so that you flex that muscle. 
and listen, this applies from now until I'm sure the day that you retire and, and onwards. There are things that I have to do now that even though I don't love them and they do, they make me feel uncomfortable because I've flexed it enough and been pushed enough into that space, you start to uh, get yourself to a place where, first of all, you're, you know, as you say, you don't, your, your chest isn't red and your face isn't red and you, you, you're not visibly showing signs of nervousness. You learn how to manage that piece of it. And then you do dig in and become better at, you do want to perfect the, the very thing that you're so afraid of. The, the scale starts to tip where you're like, I need to get better at this. I want to be better. You know, for me, it was public speaking. You know, I went from, you know, speaking at meetings to, you know, presenting to boards and now, you know, standing up in front of, you know, 1500 people and doing a speech on the state of the nation for country music for the year. Yeah. If, again, my, you know, 25 year old self, if you would have told me that I was going to be doing that, I, uh, it, I probably would have burst into tears. Like the idea of that is just so overwhelmingly scary. I still don't love it, but because I've had to flex it for so long, I realize now that I can do these things and be not half bad at them um, and sometimes good at them, but you have to do it. You have to push yourself into those spaces. You just, there's, there's just no other way. Otherwise you become complacent and then you become unhappy. Um, yeah. And when you talk about, uh, you know, this work that you do in your personal life to make sure that you're aligned with your goals and you're, you're uh, striving towards, you know, opportunities that actually make sense for you. I, I think that's such an interesting concept in itself because women usually are striving for a box to fit into. I'm going to be the one woman at the table over there or like for radio, you know, I, I spoke about this with uh, Josie on the first episode too, but the idea of two women, uh, two female hosts back to back on air. I grew up thinking that would never happen. And I look at some radio stations now and I'm like, yeah, we got two yeah. females back to back. We got females yeah. leading morning shows now, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. It's, it, 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 it may it's, feel like work, but it, it's about finding out what you want and going for it. Yeah. And I think that applies in any aspect, whether you want a, a, a you have career goals or whether you have personal goals or whether you are going to, um, you know, do that crazy job of being a mom at home and raising little people. I think that this applies across the board. These are, these are difficult things to do and finding yourself and figuring out who you are is such a major piece of all of that. And listen, some of it just comes because of age. You know, I, for me, there was a lot of things that happened to me in my mid thirties, um, uh, internally where the light just went on where, you know, things that I would, you know, feel maybe guilty about in my early thirties, I was really okay with them in, you know, you know, once I hit my mid thirties, something actually changed for me where it was like, no, it, this is okay to not be in this relationship. It's okay for me and it's okay for you. And it's better for both of us. And I'm okay to say these words and wish you well and move on. Um, in my early thirties, that would never, I would like, I would just be riddled with guilt. You know, these are things that I think organically can happen if you dig into your self-awareness a little bit and understand why you're feeling that way. You know, it's, I'm, I'm so grateful for aging, honestly. <laughs> like I just, I'm being comfortable in your own skin is a hard place to get, especially as a woman and, um, getting there is pretty amazing. 
you know, listen, you have to have the goods to back you up. And I, I, you know, I, I spoke on a panel not too long ago and we talked a little bit about this. It's like, I feel like there was a good portion of my career where I didn't even know really the difference. And I, I, maybe it was because I, you know, I was raised in a household where my mom was an executive and she fought hard. So I didn't really know the difference of what opportunities I was not getting because I was a female or a male. And I'm sort of thankful at my ignorance for that during those years, because, you know, um, in your early years, there's a lot more insecurities. If I would have realized that that was a thing, would it have stopped me? I don't know the answer to that. I'm grateful for those experiences that I powered through um, because obviously that's what's gotten me to where I am now. But the truth is, and I would give this advice to any woman, is that if you do the work on yourself, you figure out the things that you are that that you're the most afraid of and you work on those things and they are work and you have to work on them. But also you have to have the goods to back it up. If you're going to speak in a board meeting, make sure that you know your shit. Make sure that you know what you're talking about and we all can do that in our jobs. That is going to give you confidence because people are going to lean in and listen to what you're saying. Um, you know, things are a lot better now than they were. We still have a lot of work to do, but if you can sort of like push the noise aside and, and be good at what you're doing and be doing the work on yourself, you are going to get there. If you're not nervous, it's not brave. And if you're not scared, again, your goal is too, your dream is too small. That's the only way that you're going to continue to be able to push yourself forward. In my experience, that's the only thing that when I'm nervous and I feel like an imposter, I'm like, okay, I must be in the right space. But it took me a long time to get there. Every setback as you're going through this process is a setup for the next step for you. You know, like you just really have to fight against the self-loathe and what have I done? And this is, you know, I've really messed up here. You have to be able to move yourself forward. And, um, you know, again, sort of be a woman in a man's world. I can't stress that enough. We have to use all of the things that are so innate to us as our superpowers because men don't have those things and it makes us great leaders. It really does. So in using your, your self-awareness and your compass, those are things you're in control of, but there are a lot of things in this business that we are not in control of. And I would say a global pandemic is a... Uh, one thing that's affecting us both right now, you know, it, it could be anything. I want to talk to you about this uh, CMT Music Festival that, uh, you know, you sort of launched from the ground up and it came with its challenges. It did. So I was working um, at Country Music Television and um, I was running programming for the brand. And we were, you know, we... Uh, Doug Murphy, um, who is the the president of Chorus, was really leaning on the teams to start to think about new revenue sources um, outside of our core business. And so, you know, working with some great partners at Feldman, we, you know, we realized we have this amazing brand and let's launch a music festival, which I knew nothing about. Like, talk about those moments where you're like, okay, I am a total imposter here. Um, so, you know, you, you bring in people that know way more than you and you, um, you build a team that can help you, you know, kind of get it across the finish line, which we believed we did. And thankfully, uh, chorus was extremely supportive of the initiative and the idea and, you know, financially backing us, which was also a scary place for me, knowing that I was spending the company's money and this had better work. 
So we created this amazing, amazing festival that was really the goal of the festival was for you to be able to touch and feel this amazing brand. So you get to watch it all the time on television and you get to experience it, you know, very one dimensionally. But we wanted people to be able to touch and feel the brand. So we created this, you know, little world, which was this, which was, you know, a lifestyle basically for this festival. And on the very end, I mean, we had heavy hitters. It was like Zach Brown band was a headliner. Eric church was a headliner. Um, we had, um, every big Canadian on, on the lineup. We had two stages. We had a VIP air. Like it was, I remember this coming up, uh, you know, cause I was working at course at the time too in uh, London, Ontario, and we had a, a new country property. So we were aligning with what you were working on. Yeah. Yeah. So it was big. Well, you'll remember it was just a big deal and it was a big deal for chorus to do something like this. So the, the gates opened and, uh, we had, I think we had sold, I think we had a goal of selling 12,000 tickets and we had sold 9,000 tickets. So we were a little bit off of our mark, but we had hoped for walk-ups and all of these things. Anyway, day one festival opens. We are four hours into the festival, number of artists have performed, everyone's getting ready for the big headliner and a storm hits. And I mean, it was like sideways rain, um, possible tornadoes in the area, like full blown. It had gone from, I think I, I have an Instagram photo of it where the weather was something crazy, like 35 degrees. And it just turned into one of those crazy summer storms. And I went from essentially, you know, the top of the world when the doors opened to in a war room with the president of Chorus, um, Jessica Lemon, who was my executive producer of the event, and us looking each other in the eyes going, we actually have to shut this down. We, which means we're paying the artists regardless. It means that we need to figure out a pivot right now for all of these fans that came here to either refund their money and if we don't refund their money, we're never having another country music festival again. Like, this is it. We're done. We're done from a press perspective. This is a nightmare. Oof. It was bananas. Um, thankfully, Doug was really, really involved and smart and, and gave us the go ahead to, you know, give everybody that was there on the Friday night tickets for Saturday, which, of course, was a financial hit for us. Um, and Saturday was amazing. But it was... Um, it, t- talk about jumping into the deep end when you really, really don't know something that you would just never expect to happen. I mean, the lessons learned coming out of that, let me tell you, you know, not, not something that we could have necessarily avoided. Um, I mean, weather is weather, but the, what I learned from that and how you can go from amazing to the highest, you know, stress in your career to up till that point. But the biggest thing with that one is just making sure that you've got the right team around you. And thankfully um, we did, but man, Sarah, that was not fun. That was not fun. So Josie being my first guest, you know, she, she talked about that moment where she didn't think that she would be able to uh, move on from how she was cast after a failed morning show. And I'm sure you went through something like that following this festival, wondering, how, how are the people around me going to perceive me? Talk about um, support and feeling proper support from a team when things aren't going well. 
Yeah. I mean, this again, as you go through your career, you learn what you want around you and what you don't. And you really, I mean, and this is, this, this actually plays well into, uh, you know, the conversation about other females and, you know, there's, there's, you and I, you know, sort of talked about this on email, this sort of perception of women supporting women and how some women don't support women. And what does that mean? I learned early on. And again, partly because I, you know, I, I've had leaders who stressed the importance of team very early on in my career. I worked for a woman um, by the name of Ann Kane Jeffries, who was my first female uh, boss, who I absolutely adore. And to this day, um, she's still a huge mentor for me. And I just absolutely love her. And she was very focused on on the people that she hired and the people that she put into the positions. She was never afraid of them knowing more than her. And she was never afraid of the things that she, she didn't know being a threat. Um, she really stressed that, you know, there's not everything that we're all going to know. And so make sure that the people that you bring in when you're in a leadership role actually elevate the, like, rise, the, rise everybody up. And not to be afraid of the fact that those may be males, they may be, they may be females, um, but as as a leader, the best thing that you can do is build a team around you that knows much more than you do. It makes you um, look good. Yes, exactly. Well, and the buck stops with you ultimately, but that that includes the people that you hire and and and, and you know put around you. So that was instilled in me very young. I think um, I was maybe in my early thirties when I worked for Anne, and that has carried with me my entire career. Um, and, you know, hire people that know how to do the job. I mean, my leadership skills, again, learned from Anne, um, are very different than other leaders. You know, even taking over the CCMA office, my, I, I'm sure that my staff, if you ask them, would tell you that it was scary when I came in there. Because my belief is that you're hired to do your job and you know how you're doing it. And you're going to tell me what we're up to versus me telling you what you need to get done. Um, which is a very different approach and works for some people and doesn't work for others. But I'm, you know, really of this mindset of we hired you to do a job, we're paying you to do a job. And my expectation is that you do that job better than anyone in this office or anyone else that we would have hired. Um, so the team is everything. It's absolutely everything. I, I, I don't know how a leader would do it without building the people, building out those roles around you that I, I, you always should be hiring somebody that you think wants your job is, is, the way I feel. I don't think yeah. you'd find a lot of men that would say that. I love that. Yeah, probably not. Probably <laughs> not. Although, you know, I have to be honest, I've worked for some really, really amazing men. I've worked for some, I've had some, some leaders that haven't been great. Um, I've had some leaders that I outgrew really quickly and not in a, um, not in a, well, I know more than you way, but in a, there was not much more I could learn from them. Yeah. Learning um, is a big thing too, when you're not learning anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And you need to know, you know, for me, the, what, what really has propelled me in the last, you know, 10 years is that recognizing that like, I'm not learning anything anymore. I'm becoming miserable and I have a switch. Like I can tell immediately where it's like, okay, I need to move into the next thing, or it's going to start to affect everything else in my life, my health, my relationships at home, my family, because that stuff bleeds, you know, we're in media business. We work a lot. So, you know, the, not being um, fulfilled and happy and challenged in, in what you're doing is a big thing. For me personally, I can't sit complacent. But yeah, I have had some great men. Um, Ted Ellis was, was 
was a colleague for the longest time. And then he became my boss. Um, when I went back to chorus, I, I took a sidestep out of chorus and then ended up going back there seven years later. And, um, Ted was my boss. He's the one that hired me. And, you know, he was, he, he was one of my, he's one of my favorite humans, but also just such an incredible, incredible boss in that he, um, he believes in his people. And he, he lets you do, he lets you dream as big as, as you possibly can. You learn very quickly that you better keep your dreams in check and make sure that they are attainable. And he'll also pull you back from, you know, the edge of the cliff. If he thinks that you've gone too far in a very, very, um, you know, strategic and smart way. Um, I love working for Ted. Uh, we've been able to work together for, for many years, but I've learned a lot from him and he was actually, he was one of those leaders, you know, I, I, you know, I talk about how at one point in my career, um, I was told, you know, you are too honest, you're too um, open, you, you, you're too familiar, you need to um, pull that back in order for you to um, excel at your career, which stalled me for a while. Um, years later, I went into an employee review with Ted. Ted was my boss at the time. Um, and it was so interesting to me. And he and I talked about it after that. Um, he said to me, your um, style of leadership and your style when dealing with executives is very different than most people. And he said, in fact, if it were if it were me uh, being that open and honest, I would feel uncomfortable, he said. But it actually is the, the thing that makes you so unique because executives feel comfortable talking to you. Like you're, you're not afraid to have a, a real conversation about business with someone who's two layers above you. Humanizing um, he business. Said, totally. And he just said to me, just keep doing that. Don't stop doing that. And it was so interesting to me because again, you know, seven or eight years before that, I had been told the, the polar opposite, do not. And I'd been told that by a woman. And here was Ted saying, keep going. He was, a, he was an amazing leader. I think it's very important on this podcast to bring up great <laughs> Uh, male leaders in our industry as well. So I'm really happy that you uh, brought that up. So in the spirit of this podcast, we're trying to build a little bit of a community. And um, I sort of want every woman who listens to this podcast to want to get to know the next woman. So who are three women that you think I need to bring on this podcast in the media? One of them would be Anne Kane Jeffries. She is a, she had a career, she spent her career in marketing at Chorus Entertainment as a vice president. She is absolutely incredible. Um, I would have a conversation with Megan Simsek. Yes. So she's the manager for beloved Canadian band Rush, but she's also the head of Factor in Canada, which, uh, you know, is in charge of funding all sorts of music. We've definitely started that conversation about her coming on. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Megan Simsek's amazing. And I would actually talk to Melissa Bub Clark as well. Do you know Melissa? No. So Melissa Bub Clark is a vice president. I'm not going to get her title right. She works for MLSC and she oversees all of their entertainment. She's vice president of their entertainment um, business. Um, she's had a very interesting career and also, you know, is, you know, in a very, very um, male skewing world being over at MLSC and is crazy impressive and just a good, good, solid woman um, who's been an amazing leader. So uh, those are my three. Thank you so much for doing this. I feel like I could have talked to you for hours. Thank you so much for having me. And as this evolves, I'd love to come back and talk more. Oh yes, we'll do it. The best advice that I would give my younger version of myself um, would actually be to be a woman in a man's world. 
So lean into the superpowers that women have and actually use those as assets versus try and hide them. Because, you know, compassion, empathy, the ability to take on volumes of work, those are actual female attributes that are superpowers. What an absolute powerhouse that Tracy Martin is. So listen, we're only two episodes deep in the Women in Media podcast, and I could use your help spreading the word wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it be Spotify, Apple, or or Google Podcasts. uh, If you could hit subscribe, that would mean the world to me. And if you could follow along on social media, at Women in Media Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and Facebook.com slash Women in Media Pod if you'd like to follow along there. Thank you so much for listening. And if you haven't heard the episode with Josie Dye yet, that is there for you as well. I'm Debbie Travis. And I'm Tommy Smythe. And this is Trust Me, I'm a Decorator. We're now podcasters. And why did we call it that? Well, you know us as decorators, but we've got lots more to share. We want to talk about travel and relationships. We're going to have amazing guests on. Guests who inspire us for sure. We'll probably talk about design too. And of course, Tommy, don't forget about food. Oh my gosh, how did I forget about food? So please follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or as they say, wherever you get your podcast. And we'll pop right up when we have a new episode. Where's us luck. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.